Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, if you got your Bible, um, open it up to Psalm... Psalm 92, and um, if you've been part of our church for any period of time, this psalm should be kind of well-known to you, and uh, again, if you're new visiting, maybe you recently just started coming to our church uh, last few weeks, so glad to have you, so grateful you're here. Um, it's always a great thing that happens whenever I'm not here. You know, I just feel, I just know that the Lord has a sense of humor. And so whenever I'm not here, sometimes things go better. <laughs> sometimes things grow more. Um, and it was so cool to see that. But if you just recently started coming to our church in the last few weeks, just big warm welcome to you. Um, we're so grateful you're here online as well. We're grateful that you're part of the service. But this is a key text for our house. And I'm excited to read it today. It says this in Psalm 92 verse 1. Uh, it's cool. This is also a, a Sabbath song. So this is a, a psalm that would be recited by the Jewish people, read by the Jewish people um, during their rest. But it says this in verse 1, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp and the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all the evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. Believe in for that today. Fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. Verse 12, the righteous, everybody say the righteous, flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you that it always does wonders in our lives. It never returns void. And so, God, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus, would you give us that fresh oil? Would you give us that new word? Father, would you speak to us in an amazing way? God, would you do what only you can do? Father, we thank you that this isn't some historical document. This is your breath on a page. And so, Father, it's our heart today to open it up to you, to speak to us. Say whatever you want, Holy Spirit. We're ready in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. oh, come on. We all said, Amen. Amen. 
I'm ready. I'm fine. I'm back. <laughs> Just kidding. But I'm excited to be back. It's good. I wanted to reintroduce or remix this series. This would be the third time that we've done this as a church. Planted and Flourishing. That's the name of the series. Planted and Flourishing from Psalm 92. That's our banner text for the series. Planted and Flourishing. But this is a hallmark series for us specifically as a house. It's a uh, foundational message, a series for our house for a bunch of different reasons. But Every couple of years we do this series, we return to it, we re-engage in it because there is sometimes something so powerful about recentering your life back on the promises of God, back on the things that are just true. Who who feels like the world, world needs a bit of truth right now? And it's just good for the believer and the non-believers as well to hear this. But to be recentered onto the promises of God, which we know are true, and they bring forth certain things because God has promised it. God has sworn it. God has said, this is what I will do. This is what happens to the people of God when they engage in my promises. And so I'm excited about preaching this series over the coming weeks. Psalm 92 would encourage you to learn it, to, to, to read it, to, to let it wash over you and to see yourself in Psalm 92, because you are the righteous. The Bible talks about if you're a believer in Jesus, you are the righteous of God. You are God's. You are made right because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when you read the righteous, that's you. Why wouldn't you want to read about how God's going to bless you? It's pretty cool. So Psalm 92 is the banner text, but here's another foundation uh, verse for us today. Two verses is Psalm 84. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, look at this, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. It's talking about the dwelling place of God, the courts of God. And here's the burden or the conviction for this series. This is, this is the burden that we carry. This is our church. This is me. This is um, our leadership, our whole team. Uh, I believe so many of our volunteers, is this, it, that, uh, this is the promise, that if you will plant yourself in God's house, if you'll invest your life into His house, blessing will come. You will experience flourishing in your life. That, you, that, that it'll become God's faithfulness to you will become your story. That it won't just be a good idea or a formula or something that you read that you saw was like a good thing that you, 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 know, that you got to, to, to see written out or, or see, see in someone else's life or you see in some reel on social media, but it will be your story that you'll actually be able to testify and say, man, I'm planted in the house of God and as a result, look at my life. Look at what God has done. And that's the promise of Psalm 92. That's, there's just something. Can I just encourage you? There is just something about taking God at His word and just saying, God, I trust you with my life. And as we plant ourselves in the house of God, it'll become our story and our testimony of what God has done for us. Amen? Amen. So some of the takeaways from this series, I, I, I've got some, some questions I believe this series will answer for you. Um, or maybe re-answer in a lot of ways. Um, it could be questions like this. What does it look like to be planted in the house? Planted in, when it talks about the house of God in Scripture, it's talking about the church. For us, the New Testament church, God's house. 
Okay? But conversely, what does it look like if I'm not planted in the house? And that's a good question for the day. What, what, what happens if I'm not planted in the house? And we're going we're gonna to look at that. What does being planted even mean? We'll talk about what that looks like. What happens to my life when I am planted in the house? What is required of me to be planted? We're going to answer those questions. We're going to look at those things. Here's one. What are some of the obstacles that come when it comes to being planted? And what is the enemy's plan when it comes to all of this? Because can I encourage you, the enemy, God has a plan for your life, but the enemy does too. And it's the opposite of what God wants. The enemy, the enemy wants to, to kill you. God wants to give you life. And, and so when it comes to being planted in the house of God, we've got to understand that there is also a battle. There is also a challenge. There is also an opposition force. And what does the promise of flourishing mean for me? You know, during COVID, there was a big article that the Barna Group published, a Barna Group out of, I think they're out of the West Coast, they're a great sort of research house that, that looks at kind of the, the state of things. And so I, I, I get their, um, their publications and I read them. And the big banner kind of article during that time was one in three practicing Christians in America stopped coming to church during COVID. One in three. And then, um, you know, and, and then the period afterwards has been a trickle back effect. And there's, there's different parts of the country that are experiencing this in different ways. Um, but, they, but they term this thing the new era of Sunday morning in America. And they talked about how, you know, people are doing things differently now and that there's a new era here and, you know, there's a mixture of online and in-person and things have changed and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a new nature to all of this. But I just want to say this from the outset, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian, technically speaking, okay? You don't have to be uh, in church to say you're a Christian. But why would you miss out on one of the best things about being a Christian? Which is being in church, coming to church, being planted in church. Why would you want to miss out on one of the best things about being a Christian between the here now and the not yet? Being in the house of the Lord, experiencing being a part of a local church. And why would you ever think that you could go it alone? Something has happened if you think that you can go alone without the church in your life. You, there's, there's some misalignment, maybe hurt, that needs to be addressed. Maybe it's thinking. Oftentimes, it's just pride. But there's a, there's a realignment sometimes that needs to happen. And that could come even through this series. And I'm excited about that if that's for you. Trees are planted. And the Bible talks about a promise for you is that you could be like a tree. You could be planted in the house of God. Also, we live in Florida. Palm tree, right there. <laughs> Added bonus. But why would you want to miss out on what God can do in your life? The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. A cedar in Lebanon... Um, is, is imagery that's used all through, uh, especially the Old Testament. It was used in the building of the temple. Um, they would use that particular type of timber because it was true, it was strong, but it also had an aroma. Have you ever smelt like cedar, how nice it smells? It's just like, it's, it's got a beautiful smell to it. It's very, you, know, you notice it. 
But it's true. It's, it's a type of material. And, and I believe God uses this imagery. The psalmist uses this imagery because it's material that, that, that doesn't decay. It doesn't, it doesn't go to waste. It doesn't, it doesn't rot. And the Bible says the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar. It's God's uh, promise for you that in his house, that what would happen to your life is that you would grow strong. That you would actually grow to be, listen to me, friend, a blessing to the world around you. That your life and that what flows out of your life would be like a sweet aroma to the world around you. So when people come into contact with you, like, man, this person is different. And that's the point. That we would be different. So two points today. Okay, I'm coming back. It's the first week back, so I just I took one point out just to give myself a break. <laughs> just kidding. Point number one is this, okay? And this is the title for the message today. All you need is a seed. All you need is a seed. And if all you have is a seed, that's all God needs. See, the world wants the tree. The culture says, show me the tree. Show me all the good stuff. Show me the exterior that's nice and shiny and amazing. And The world wants that, but the kingdom always begins with a seed. Simple. You can barely, barely make it out. You can barely see it's there. See, the world wants the tree, but the kingdom begins with a seed. My encouragement to you today, life, uh, in your life, friend, when it comes to your life, don't despise the seed. Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It doesn't say to see the finished result. God gets excited about the seed moment. God gets excited about your seed of faith in prayer. God, I'm going to start this business. I'm believing to step out and be a blessing to the kingdom of God and help build the church. And God, I just choose to give it to you. The Bible says that that's the moment that God rejoices. And that's the moment the world couldn't care about. There's, all, there's something powerful, friends, about a seed in the hands of God. I love it if you could write this down. Everything in the kingdom begins in seed form. Everything in the kingdom begins in seed form. Jesus told this parable, and we're going to look at it in this series in Matthew 13. He, he, he tells this amazing parable, this multi-layered um, story about a sower sowing seed on the ground. Okay, we're going to look at it in the weeks to come, but it says this in verse 24. He says, he put another parable before them, saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. There's something about a seed that really matters to God. Matthew 17 and verse 20 says, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I brought myself an apple to church today. I'm going to put it back together. 
I remember as a kid, you know, uh, snacks were at a premium in our house. You know, like my mom was like, she was like a pretty, pretty earthy sort of person. Like she didn't want us to like, you know, have all the nice things. So she'd just give us a few little nice things. So if you had a, uh, a, pack, a, a little pack of uh, chips, like salt and vinegar chips, like that was like a prized possession in our home, you know? But there wasn't a lot of it. So that was like, it was like those snacks would trade at a premium in our house. Okay, so if you had a packet of chips and there were no more chips left in the pantry, but you had a packet, it was just like you had some currency. You had something to trade with. And, and that, that particular thing traded at a premium, especially when I was dealing with my brother. I could get anything I wanted when he was hungry and I had a packet of chips. But how often would I go to the, the pantry and there'd be nothing left and mom would just be like, eat an apple. Jill says that now to my son, Charlie. She, he's like, mom, I'm hungry. And she would just say, eat an apple. He's like, ooh. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world to eat an apple, you know. But I absolutely love apples, you know. Growing, now I love apples because as a kid, I just would eat them all the time. And so I brought one to church. It's taking everything within me right now not to take a bite out of this thing. <laughs> Because I just know what it would, it would not sound good to you. And so, um, you're welcome. But he, he, here's, here's the picture. See, God only needs a seed. And the thing about it is Jesus says, Jesus uses the smallest of all seeds. This was a teaching moment. He, he uses the smallest of all seeds. And he says, the smallest of all seeds will move the biggest of mountains. But this is why, it's because we could look at this apple, you and I, any one of us could unpack this apple, we could open it up and we could find how many seeds are in this apple. And so I did that, opened it up, got out a seed. Good. Now I've just dug it right in there and I can't get it out. Let me keep trying. No. It's there, okay? It's right there. But we can figure out how many seeds are in this apple. And there's one right there. Only God knows how many apples are in that seed. Only God. And when it comes to your life, can I just encourage you? All God needs is a seed. When it comes to that restoration in your marriage that you're believing for, but you believe is like a mountain that will not move, can I just encourage you? All God needs is a seed. That child that you have that is away from the Lord and you're praying for them and you're looking at the way they're living right now and you're like, man, there is no way that they're going to come back to Jesus. Can I just encourage you today? It's the word of the Lord today. All God needs is a seed. This is the way the kingdom works. Whatever it is that's in front of you, don't underestimate the seed and what God can do with a seed. Three quick things about seeds. Seeds have power. Just talked about the supernatural power of God to work through the seed and to bring forth the fruit from it and do all that sort of stuff. Seeds have power. Seeds have potential. There is great potential in a seed. And it's the same with your life. God knows what can come out of your life. Nobody else fully knows what can come out of your life, but God knows. And when you were a little baby, you were born small. And, and, and who knew? Come on, somebody. This is a good message right now. Who knew the potential that could come out of your life? There's someone who knew. 
And there's someone who still knows to this day, it's God. God knows the potential that can come from a seed. He knows what he can do with your life. Seeds have potential. There is great potential in the seed that you offer up to God. There's potential for future growth. I found this pretty cool. Have you noticed that, that lately in the last like decade or so, there's been these seed banks that have been forming all over the world? A seed bank is literally like people have been storing seed in like, uh, like bunkers. And there's one actually in the Arctic Circle that they chose that location because it was so cold and it's basically built into like a rock and it's like this vault. And the nations of the world are storing seed in this seed vault in case there's like an Armageddon type situation. And so if, if the world's flattened out or, you know, something happens, you can go to this seed vault, which is built down in the Arctic Circle, and you could pull that seed out and you could start a country again, start farming and all that sort of stuff. And so it got me thinking. I was just like, well, that's, that's pretty extreme, you know, but surely God knows what he's doing. But humans are going to try to fabricate this thing. And so I started to look into it. I was like, I wonder what is the oldest seed in the world? I wonder if there ex exists the oldest seed. And I found it. It's the Judean palm tree. It's over 2,000 years old. They found a seed that was excavated from Herod the Great's excavations when they were, when they were looking and bringing forth all that stuff. It's the oldest viable seed in the world that had been preserved in a cool, dry place, not by freezing, and was found in 2005. So while the world's freaking out, having a seed party over here, <laughs> the oldest seed in the world found in basically Jerusalem. God knows what he's doing. And listen to me, friend. All he needs is a seed. Seeds have power. Seeds have potential. Seeds have provision. There is great provision in the seed. Genesis 1 and verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with, tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. All you need is a seed and all God needs is a yes. A seed in God's hand is greater than a fully grown tree in the world's hand. Why? Because God knows what's in that seed. God knows the potential. God knows the power. God knows what can be provided through it. And can I just encourage you today, all God needs is a seed. If you're a single person in here today, maybe you're starting out your adult life and you're looking at things, can I just encourage you, do not despise the seed. Do not despise that little thing that you could offer up to God. You might look at it and be like, man, no one thinks this is worth anything. That's not true when it comes to God. He sees the value in it. And he sees what can come from it, even if no one else can. A seed in God's hand is greater than a fully grown tree in the world's hand. God knows what's in that seed. And all you need is a seed. You know, the seed for us is the human heart. And the human heart in the hands of an almighty God, that's mountain moving stuff. That's why Jesus used that parable. That's why Jesus spoke in that way. Jesus chose to use the smallest of all seeds to illustrate the greatest of all miracles. Just a seed of faith. And Jesus says, watch what my Father can do. Watch what He can do when we choose to put our faith 
in God. So number one, all you need is a seed. Number two, what does that mean for us as believers today? We need to embrace the seed life. We need to embrace the seed life. I'm about to turn you guys into some farmers today. You know, we live in a world, 2023, we live in a world where it is technologically driven. It is hyped up, speedy. It is like never before. I've never known a time where it is more like instant gratification is a thing. Oh, you want this? Then you can have it right now. Are you, are you believing for this? Well, why isn't it happening tomorrow? But we as the believers, we as the people of God, we as people of followers of Jesus, we understand we live according to a different rhythm. Our rhythm is much different to that rhythm. Our rhythm is like, okay, let's plant a seed. Let's get to some sowing and let's believe that we will reap a harvest. This is the rhythm. This is the seed life that God has given you and me. So what do we need to do? We just need to trust God with a seed. We just need to put it in the ground and we need to pray and we need to ask God, God, you do what you want to do, but I'm choosing to live according to the rhythm that you've given me. We've got to embrace the seed life. We understand there is a process to all of this. Even just being planted in church, can I just encourage you? We're going to get to this in the weeks to come, but you're not going to be planted overnight. It's not going to happen in a month. It might happen over a year. You might see some pretty cool results in 18 months. You might see some, some amazing like formation of some awesome life-giving relationships over the course of one to two years. But this is why we have to embrace the seed life because we live according to a different rhythm. Our rhythm is different. Our rhythm is like, you know what? I'm sowing in right now. I'm putting in right now. I'm just, I know that my life right now in the hands of God is in seed form. But I know God's working. I know God's doing something. And I'm choosing to maybe close my eyes in this moment and look heavenward and trust that God's going to do something with my life and the flourishing will come. Let's believe to start with a seed. Start with where you are. Believe for God to use it. Get excited about the fact that all you have is a seed. You know, I truly believe if we had this revelation, we would get so excited about seeds. Seeds being planted, the beginning step of a new business, the starting out of a new... You know, when you start a church, you don't start a church. You plant a church. See, the way we live in the kingdom is different to the world. Could you imagine starting a business and going to see an investor? They'd be like, oh, tell us about what's happening. We'd be like, well, I'm planting this new tech company. Be like, what did you just say? But we understand as believers, we embrace the seed life. We're planting. We're believing for God to do what only He can do. This is kingdom principle. Sowing and reaping. And I don't know where you're at in the journey, but I know this sowing is coming. There's seed time that's ahead. There's seed time that will come. Let me show you Isaiah 30 and verse 23 says, And he will give rain for the seed with which you sow the ground. And the bread, the produce of the ground will be rich and, and plenteous. In that day, your livestock will graze in large pastures. We're sowing and we're reaping people. It goes back all the way to, the, to, to when, when God set the whole thing up in Leviticus 20, 26 and verse 5. It says, your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest. It says, it'll last to the time of the grape harvest. Look at this. 
and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. So God says that the blessing will make its way to the point at which you need to sow again. And then once you've sown, then the harvest will come and then the harvest will last long enough for you to be able to sow again. We're sowing and reaping people and we've got to embrace the seed life. We've got to understand there's a process to all of this. And that's why the Apostle Paul said it this way to the Corinthians. He said this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You know where your seed comes from? It comes from a time and a place where you weren't even there and God was already in the middle of that cycle. He was already bringing forth the seed that would find its way into your hands. Wow. Like, what? But I'm the one who came up with this idea to plant colonial church. Nuh-uh. God was already working. There was already this cycle in place. There was already this rhythm happening. And I just happened to come along. And the seed came into my hand. And when it comes to your life, can I just encourage you? You've got to embrace the seed life because God's going to show you amazing things. He's going to blow you away. He's going to rework the way you see this, the way you think about things. And as you embrace that seed life in faith, is what's going to happen. You want to know what's going to happen? You're going to become the seed of Lebanon. You're going to grow strong. You're going to become durable. You're going to become a pillar You're going to become a foundation for other people to stand on. And you're going to smell good. That's a bonus. But let's be people that understand all God needs is a seed. And all we need to do is embrace the seed life. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for whatever... Whatever's happening in your your life where maybe a seed needs to be sown... And maybe for you, it's just thinking. You know, Romans talks about how we need to transform our minds. We need to conform to to the way God works and reject the pattern of this world. And maybe today, this message, this series is really about you rejecting the way the world does life and taking on the way God does things. And through faith, choosing, okay, I'm going to put aside maybe some, some expectations, putting aside some things that I thought would happen tomorrow and choosing to embrace the seed life. Or maybe you're here today and I talked about some mountains earlier. I talked about some mountains that for you, when, when, when you say, I've got a mountain in front of me, you're like, man, I've got a mountain in front of me. And I don't know how it's going to move. All God needs is a seed. And today it might just be a seed of faith in prayer and trust and saying, God, I trust you that you will move this mountain. And all the faith I have right now is just the size of a seed. But I believe God's going to do something. I believe God's going to release the pressure for you to feel like you've got to have all the strength and you've got to somehow jump into the future and grab that strength and that timber and bring it into the present day. Can I just encourage you? You just need to trust God. You need to start with a seed. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, if that message resonates with you today, why don't you just lift up your hand? You're ready to sow a seed. You're ready to believe for mountains to move in your life. You're asking God to do what only He can do. Maybe for you, it's embracing the rhythm, trusting Him with the process. 
Father, I thank you right now that you're working in the lives of your people. Father, I just thank you right now for this truth that we see that, that it's your calling for all of us, God, to be firmly planted in the ground of your house, in your dwelling place, around you, in the courts of the Lord. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would give us a revelation of a seed. Father, help us to understand that, 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 that we don't need what the world says we need. All we need is a seed. And we know that that's the way you work, Lord. And we choose to trust that today. We choose to believe that today. We choose to put our faith in that today. And God, I just thank you for your mountain-moving capability, for your miracle-working nature, God. And so, Father, I ask that you would move mountains today that you would give us this revelation so we could walk forth knowing that, that the seed's been planted and the work is coming and the, the blessing is on its way and the flourishing will be our portion and will be our story. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.